welcome to the Super High Yield Anesthesia Podcast, where we will discuss high yield concepts for students on their anesthesia rotation. I am your host, Scott, the fourth year medical student. Thanks for tuning in to episode two of the Super High Yield Anesthesia Podcast. And today we'll be talking about the airway exam. And this is going to be a continuation of what we talked about in the previous episode, the preoperative evaluation. So the airway exam, it's going to be part of your physical exam. And the entire point of doing this is to determine whether or not the patient is going to be a difficult airway. So there's different um, anatomical considerations that will contribute to whether or not it's going to be difficult to intubate a person. So before we begin, I'm just going to give a quick plug for my show notes because I have in front of me actually uh, like anatomy diagrams uh, that can help with the first part of this episode in which we'll talk about airway anatomy. So as great as I am at describing things, it's probably a good idea to actually just look at a picture as well, just just to make sure that um, you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, so definitely check that out, or at least just Google it uh, before you do an airway exam. Okay, that said, let's uh, go ahead and get started. So for the first part of the anatomy review, we're going to just talk about structures when you look at a person, ask them to open the mouth, and just look. All right. So when they open the mouth, you're obviously just going to see their teeth. And on the superior aspect of their mouth, you're going to go from the teeth to the hard palate, the soft palate, and then you get to the, the, the back of the mouth. And then you're going to have the uvula. And then to the sides, you have the platoglossal folds, uh, aka the anterior pillars. And right behind that, you're going to have the tonsils. And right behind that, you're going to have the platopharyngeal fold, aka the posterior pillars. And obviously, on the inferior aspect of the mouth, you got that big old muscle there, the tongue. And I think it's actually the, the strongest muscle in the body or something like that. So um, there's an early fun fact for you in case you didn't already know that. So that's the, the stuff that we're going to take a look at when the patient opens their mouth. But when you look into the, the throat, the posterior oropharynx to, for intubation, this is where your knowledge of anatomy is going to be pretty high yield, pretty key, because when you're intubating a patient, you want to be able to verbalize what you're seeing and what you're doing. That way, everyone in the room is knowing where you are and whether or not you need help. Because if you're just trying to intubate and not saying anything, you you know, you're just, just finagling your laryngoscalp blade and not saying anything, your attendings and everyone around you could get a little bit um, nervous. All right, so it's important to review this anatomy so you um, 
dictate what you're you're doing in an accurate fashion. Okay, so let's just pretend you're looking through the patient's airway when you're at the head of the table and looking straight into it. So obviously, uh, the top is going to be the tongue, right? And you go slightly more into the oropharynx, then you're going to get to the epiglottis. And the spot between the epiglottis and the tongue is called the follicula. And this is particularly high yield because if you're intubating with a MAC blade, that's where you're going to place uh, the blade. That way, when you kind of push it in, it's going to lift the epiglottis out of the way so you can insert the ET tube. Okay, so after the epiglottis, you're going to be able to see the, it looks like a V basically, so like the retinor cartilage, the cuneiform cartilage as well. And then right in between there, that's the thing you're looking for, the vocal folds. So that's, and you're going to be placing the ET tube in between the vocal folds into the trachea. Okay, so those are specifically important structures to know and definitely review that before you go uh, into the OR and to be anyone, okay? So again, make sure you're able to dictate what you're seeing and what you're doing to the rest of your team so that everyone has uh, an open line of communication. All right, so that's the end of the airway anatomy review. Now we're going to actually talk about the airway exam. And as I alluded to earlier, the purpose of the airway exam is to determine if a patient is potentially going to be a difficult airway. And the easiest way, in my opinion, is to approach this exam in a top-down approach. Kind of like how in the history, we kind of ask questions by systems from a top-down approach as well. For the particular steps, the, the way I would suggest it and the way I kind of uh, read about it is first inspection, then you look into the nose, then the mouth, and then you're going to assess the neck. Okay, so basically three, nope, sorry, four steps uh, of the airway uh, exam. So inspection. Basically, you're going to see there's any obvious deformity uh, or is there any sign of trauma that uh, makes doing uh, intubation a contraindication. So if they have like facial trauma going on and like maybe throat trauma, you're going to be less likely to be able to slide in an, an ET tube, right? Because definitely the deformity uh, it's going to make securing the airway much more difficult. So after you do a quick inspection, you're going to take a look at the nose. And particularly, you're going to note if there's any polyps in the area and any uh, defects in the nasal septums, like especially any deviations. So if there's anything like this in the nose, it can make it difficult to do any nasal intubations or placement of a nasogastric tube. So that's why it's important to look in the nose. Next, we're going to take a look in the mouth. There's a few things that we're going to assess in the mouth. So 
First, we're going to assess a TMJ function. Then we're going to take a look at dentition. And after that, we're going to uh, assess the oropharynx. Okay, so regarding the TMJ function, that's the temporal mandibular joint that allows your mouth to open. It also has a second uh, action in addition to opening like a hinge. So opens and actually glides like a drawer as well. So there's two particular maneuvers you can assess each of these uh, functions. So to test opening, you literally just have them open their mouth and see how many finger breaths uh, you're able to fit, I guess, in the mouth. You don't, don't actually put your fingers in the mouth. Just use it, your fingers as like a, a ruler, okay? Please, please do not put your fingers in their mouth. Just, just don't, okay? So basically anything less than two finger breaths apart is going to be increased likelihood of uh, being a difficult airway. And less than two fingers apart is going to be about less than three centimeters. Okay, so that's opening. Now for gliding, you can do the upper lip bite test. Because remember, it, the jaw, it goes forward, right, when you open the mouth. So you have the patient use their lower teeth, bite their upper lip. You can try that right now. So I'm going to try to write my tooth, my lip, I mean. Um, you kind of feel your jaw sliding forward, right? So if you have any difficulty in doing this maneuver, then that's going to increase the likelihood of becoming a difficult airway, right? Because if you can't uh, open the mouth as wide as possible, it's going to be difficult to see inside to uh, place the ET tube. And key thing to note is you don't actually need them to bite real hard. So that's another thing. Um, just to show that they're able to perform maneuver is good enough. So again, don't put your fingers in their mouth. Don't have them actually bite themselves. Okay. So we're trying to do our best to help the patient not do more harm, right? So the good old Hippocratic Oath. All right. So that's the TMJ function. Now we're going to take a look at the patient's dentition. So basically just take note of the teeth and the gums. Because if they had bad teeth, it's going to increase the risk for aspiration. Because if something gets knocked out, it could be falling down into the trachea. And we definitely do not want that. Or in another case, I think I alluded to this earlier, but if you're doing a rocking motion with the laryngoscope blade, that could break the teeth and that could be a risk for aspiration as well. Also regarding the teeth, note the size of the incisors. So the incisors are the front middle teeth. Um, and if they're really big, then it's going to obscure your your view of the airway. All right, so that's the importance of taking a look at the dentition. The last part of the mouth is we're going to assess the oropharynx.
So essentially, if you cannot see the airway, you cannot place the tube in it. So yeah, there's different uh, methods that uh, you can use to, uh, to overcome this. So like you have, you know, GlideScope or a fiber optic or to, to help you with difficult airways. But the, the idea is that the less visualization you have, the more difficult it's going to be to place the tube. So uh, taking a note of these things will help you in the assessment. So possibly the most high yield thing for the oropharynx is assigning a malampati score. And that has like a, a range of class one through four. And it basically tells you how much the, the airway is occluded. So class one, you're able to see everything, everything's perfect. And class four, on the other hand, everything's occluded. The tongue is just massive. It's blocking everything and you're not likely able to take a look at the airway. Okay, so I'm just going to go through each of the classes so you have an idea of uh, what to expect. And again, take a look at the show notes or uh, Google it uh, so you have a visual to pair with the um, audio. Okay, so again, class one, you're able to see the soft palate, the uvula, and all the pillars. And basically you see the back of the throat as well. Okay, so class two, you see the soft palate and some of the uvula. Class three, you see the soft palate and only the base of the uvula. And class four, you only see hard palate and the tongue is just occluding everything off. So for this one, it's very simple to perform. And all you have to do is have the patient open their mouth, stick their tongue out, but do not have them uh, phonate. So just literally open their mouth, stick out the tongue. Okay. And that's how you're able to assign a melampiety score. Okay. The last part of the airway exam is we're going to assess the neck. So the first thing is to assess range of motion. So you're going to have them uh, flex and extend their neck and you're going to note if there's any restrictions in doing that because remember when you're intubating a person or just like giving them breaths through the mass ventilation you're going to have to have their necks extended because that opens up the the airway right so uh, if there's any restrictions in doing that, you have to note it because that would possibly make the airway more difficult. And here's a high yield point for boards. So any patient that has Down syndrome and rheumatoid arthritis, they possibly could have uh, atlanto-occipital instability. So you're going to be extra careful when intubating these patients because if you're too aggressive, you can cause uh, subluxation. And the way that usually plays out in a clinical vignette is uh, you have a patient with that history, you're aggressive to intubation, 
then they suddenly have acute bilateral paresthesias in upper and lower uh, extremities. So that's a pretty high yield for boards. So definitely take that into mind, okay? All right, so uh, once we assess the range of motion, we're going to take a look at the thyroid mental distance. And this gives an approximation of the mandible size. And the way you measure this is the distance between the thyroid cartilage to the chin. So you can have the patient look up towards the ceiling and you can use your fingers as a ruler again, right? So once they look up and you measure the finger breaths, if it's less than three fingers, which is about less than six centimeters, that could cause a difficult airway. And lastly, another thing to note about the neck is the neck size. Generally speaking, if you have a large supple neck, then it's going to mean that the airway has a greater likelihood of being occluded. That basically is all the steps for the airway exam. So I'm just going to do a quick overview of the airway exam. Step one, inspection. Look for any deformities or any trauma. Two, look in the nose. Are there any polyps, defects in the nasal septum? If so, then it'll be difficult to do things like nasal intubation and placement of an NG tube. Step three, you look in the mouth. You're going to assess the TMJ function by having opened their mouth and measure how many finger breaths it is. Less than two finger breaths, it's going to be a difficult airway. And to assess gliding, do the upper lip bite test. Then for... For the mouth, you're going to uh, take note of the dentition. And lastly, when you uh, assess the oropharynx, you're going to assign a malampati score. And that's from class one to class four. One being uh, able to see everything, class four not seeing anything at all. And step four, the very last step, the airway exam, you're going to assess range of motion, that's flexion extension, and assess the thyroid mental distance. All right, so that just about wraps up today's episode. And as I did in the previous episode, I'm going to give you guys a fun fact. Today I have something I got from the website, factsite.com. And it says, banging your head against a wall for one hour burns 150 calories. That is very effective. I'm not going to try it, but if you all want to try it, then um, be my guest. But uh, yeah, that's that's something for you. Burn some calories by banging your head on a wall. Alright. So, thank you for listening. This is Scott, the fourth year medical student, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.